We're so thankful to be here once again in the house of the Lord, and there's no place that we'd rather be than God's house, and if you don't understand that, well, we pray that you will before the services are over. The reason that there's no place we'd rather be than God's house is because that's where the Lord is, and this is the best place that we can be until we're with him forever. Now, sometimes we feel like, well, we don't. We get to God's house and we just soon stay and not leave. But we have to because of what he said when he said, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. So we have work to do. uh, But God's house, if we neglect that, we won't do the work. I don't care what anybody says. It won't be done how it's supposed to be done. It won't be done to the degree that it ought to be done. And I know there are those that that claim otherwise. Well, if there's so many things that are said, if you haven't heard it yet, you will. Uh, But that's okay. Just always go back and find out what God says. This morning, if you will, turn with me in the scriptures to 3 John, 3 John, and there's many wonderful things that we could preach, and sometimes it's difficult for the preacher to know, well, should I preach this, should I preach that, and the thing to that I was reminded of or was taught early in my ministry uh, from my earthly father, and he's also uh, a minister of God, and he said, all God's word's good. Just make sure to preach the word. Don't just preach, preach the word. And so we pray that God will help us, and you pray as well uh, for myself and Brother Ellis this morning that we'll be able to discharge the the burden and the responsibility that we have to proclaim the wonderful words of God. Now, uh, when I had the privilege of speaking uh, the first night of the conference, we noted sort of like a case study a little bit. We uh, delved into Micaiah the prophet, and we uh, noted some examples uh, there that are applicable for us today. Well, here we have a, a little bit different of a case study, and sometimes folks think, well, he was a prophet, and uh, I'm not a preacher or anything like that, so it doesn't really apply to me. Well, in 3 John, uh, we get a case study of a church member. And I believe that this third epistle or letter of John, it's written to an individual. And I believe that it gives us a model of Christian living for the last days. And so you say, well, I don't... We're in the last days, and sometimes people will say that, and then they act like, so there's nothing for me to do. Well, the Bible says otherwise. And things become difficult, and things are not always as they ought to be in churches. Things are not always as they ought to be amongst the brethren. God's Word still tells you what to do. And just like uh, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Sometimes you have to have an 
uh, just an as for me. I will serve the Lord. Third John, and we'll read uh, all 14 verses of this uh, short book. The elder, that's John, unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy love or charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee, but I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. And so again, I want you to think of this as a, a, a model or a, a handbook of Christian living for the last days. Now, John here in this letter, he's writing to a saint of God named Gaius, and he teaches us much about our lives in the last days and how we're to live for the Lord. Now, notice, first of all, he says the, he identifies himself as the elder. Well, that's what he was. And similar to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, and when Peter said uh, that he was an elder, he said in 1 Peter 5, and the first four verses, he said, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder. Now, the term elder in the scriptures is the same as pastor, bishop. So it's the same thing. A lot of people, they'll, you know, cherry pick certain words out of the Bible and say, oh, you know, elder or, or this, Tyler. It's all referring to the same office in the work of God. And he said, I exhort who am also an elder. See, Peter didn't put himself above the other preachers, did he? Or other pastors. He said, I'm the same. I'm also an elder. And if you recall, 
What were Jesus' instructions to Peter? Feed my sheep. And he says, and I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. You know, pastors are, are responsible, aren't they? They're responsible. They're to take on the work, the responsibility. And he said, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, that's money, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. If you say, well, they don't appreciate me much. Well, join the club. Wait for Jesus. A pastor, a shepherd, a tender of God's flock. He has, now this is a, a term that, you know, causes a lot of uh, fricassee and, you know, feathers to fly amongst some folks today. A pastor does have authority. I know there's a lot of dissension about that amongst some folks nowadays. There's dissension about everything. The devil sows discord about everything. He has teaching authority. He's not above the brethren. He's one of the brethren. But he's to teach. And John said, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius. Gaius was a saint of God. And he was a church member. That's why John Later on in verse 9, we said, I wrote unto the church. There's no such thing as a Christian who's not a church member. The Bible doesn't know what that is. But he calls Gaius here well-beloved. It means to be loved and highly esteemed and treasured. This is not instinctual love. It's purposeful, intentional, godly love. Do you know what the, the, the chief element in the highest love is? Choice. Didn't God choose to love you? Didn't Christ choose to love his bride? He set his love upon you. When people say, I just can't help it, I love them. <laughs> That's the cheapest kind of love that ever existed. Now, the Bible tells us we ought to prefer one another in love. That's what Paul told the church at Philippi. 
That means when you prefer someone, you think highly of them, don't you? You say, I'd rather be with them than somebody else. I'd rather do something good to them. It says esteem one another in love. Not steam, esteem. That means to to highly regard, hold in high respect. We're to regard each other with the same love wherewith Christ has loved us. And he said, the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If the truth, and if if you say, well, what's the truth? Well, that's God's word. Thy word is truth. If the truth does not support the love that you have for another person, it's a false love. Sometimes we prefer, we have preferences, don't we? We prefer to say, well, I just like so-and-so a whole lot. Well, it's okay, but is it according to the truth? You know, there's a lot of preachers and pastors, they've had somebody in their pulpit that if they were following God's word, they shouldn't have had them. And they said, well, I'm, they're my friend. And they set a really poor example for their church. But look in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 6. And this whole chapter, as you I'm sure are aware, is about love, about Christ-like love. Well, what do we find out about love? It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. John and Gaius shared the love of the truth. And how crucial that is in these days in which, as Jesus predicted, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, John was praying here. He said there in verse number two, he said, I would that thou mightest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. He was praying for Gaius' physical health. That's good to do. You know, doesn't the Bible tell us that? If someone's sick, we're to pray for them. We're to go to the great physician. We don't know. We aren't told what kind of physical health problems Gaius may have had or limitations or disability. But John prayed. He said, I, I would that thou mayest prosper and be in health to the same degree that your soul prospers. This man had a prosperous soul. His spiritual health was outstanding. So what's that like? Well, Psalm number one tells you a lot about that, doesn't it? About the blessed man who's like that tree that's planted by the rivers of water that's green all the year long and brings forth its fruit in its season that's leaf doesn't wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper spiritually. Too many are focusing on physical health and they're neglecting their spiritual health. But not this man. 
John said, I rejoiced greatly. In verse 3, when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. Other faithful brethren had reported some wonderful news to John that when they had been with Gaius, they found him faithfully walking in the truth. He had not erred from the way. He had not turned aside to the right hand or the left. He had not, like some that we read of in the scriptures, made shipwreck of the faith. The truth being in his heart was evidenced by his living in obedience to the truth. He was a blessing to other children of God by his obedience to the word of God. John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. It gives us the impression that perhaps he was saved under John's preaching. In any case, God's true ministers care about God's people the way a loving father or a nursing mother cares about their children. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean like some folks think who've gotten so backslid, you know, and they'll say to the preacher, you just don't seem to care about me. Well, that's, that's a sign that they're, they're immature. They, they're wanting some fleshly attention. And they need, they need to be prayed for. First Thessalonians chapter two and verse seven. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses in God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. You see, the reason that a faithful Christ-following pastor and minister of God lives the way he does is because he wants to be an example unto the flock. He wants to be able to say, what you've seen me do, that's good for you to do too. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Now John had joy, he said, because he, because Gaius was walking in the truth. Ministerial joy 
comes from obedient hearers of the word of God. You know what Paul said in another place there to the that same Thessalonian church? You find it there in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. He said, we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. You know how to make your, your pastor's uh, spiritual life wither? Well, just don't live godly. Don't live faithfully to the word of God. If you want him to have joy, well then follow the Lord. Walk in the truth. You can often gauge the spiritual health of a church by how miserable their pastor is. If he's a true man of God. Because those that aren't true, they're just miserable, period. We'll get to that fellow here in a little bit. Now in verse 5, he said, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and the strangers. Gaius was a faithful soldier. He kept his post. He was a faithful servant who fulfilled his duties. He is a faithful ambassador of the cross of Christ. He was a faithful representative of God's kingdom. He said, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and the strangers. Some of us were strangers at the start of this meeting. We didn't know each other. But you see, let me put it this way. If John sent Gaius to go meet someone he could trust Gaius would be there. He'd help them. He'd tend to their needs. He'd do whatever was required of him. He'd be hospitable. He'd be courteous. He'd be generous. He said in verse 6 and 7, the brethren and even strangers have borne witness of thy charity or love before the church. Whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing than the Gentiles. Now, this faithfulness, this generosity, this hospitality, this courtesy that was shown by Gaius was shown in the best possible way, to the best possible end. It was done in service of the gospel. He served the churches of God and their missionaries and their servants that they sent out on God's business. And isn't that what the churches of the Lord are here for? We're on God's business. When that stops being the case, well, might as well just close up shop. Because there's no other reason for a church to even exist or be in operation. If they're not doing the work of Christ, this man, his business, now remember, he wasn't even a preacher. He's just a church member. Well, there's no such thing as just a church member, is there? But his business 
was God's business. His house was God's house. He, it was used for the Lord. His bank account was God's bank account. He didn't look on that which was his as though it was his own. It was all for Jesus' sake. He shouldered the load with those who were laboring in the gospel. He helped bear their expenses. He was like what Jesus said about Mary there in the gospels when he said, she hath done what she could. He did what he could. Folks say, oh, I can't do much. God is God of your can. Right? The Bible says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially of them who are of the household of faith. You know who's in charge of your opportunities? God. And then you're responsible for what you do with them. The true ministers of God are not seeking to make a gain off of the souls of men. He said, these that, that Gaius had helped, whether he lodged them at his house or he helped pay their way as they went from one place to another, preaching the gospel, he said for in verse 7, for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. They weren't trying to make a gain off of the souls of men. The gospel is still without charge. Then Jesus say, freely have ye received, freely give. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Where to? You say, oh, I don't know why I have to have to give. Well, one reason is so that you can make the gospel as free to others as it was to you. In verse eight, he said, "We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth." Now we may not all be called to preach the gospel as far as a minister of God is concerned, but we can all labor together in the gospel for Jesus' sake. Amen. We can be fellow helpers. We can be co-workers. We can be companions in the work of the Lord. Look in Philippians chapter 4. This terminology refers to those who put their shoulder under the same load. Put their hand to the same plow. Take a, a shift standing the same post. Philippians 4 and verse 3. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, 
help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. You see, there's something for everyone to do. Man, woman, boy, girl, we're fellow laborers. And sometime, and here Paul called on the church of Philippi to help those who had been helping him. Let's just go ahead and acknowledge the fact that at some point we're all going to need somebody else's help. But we ought to be willing to be helpers in whatsoever way the Lord enables us to be. The only reason you'll ever be any help to the work of God is because God helps you. Now, one of the things that we're going to find, we've already found it so, and it's going to continue to be so until the Lord comes, is there are true servants of Christ and false. I have no idea why people will come into one of the Lord's kind of churches who don't believe what the Lord's kind of a church believes, who don't want to do what the Lord's kind of a church has put on this earth to do, but they still come in sometimes, don't they? And you would think that one of the last things that somebody would ever be bold enough to do is to put themselves forward and say, I'm a preacher of God, I'm a handler of the word of God when they're no such thing. But they will. Remember Micaiah's day? There were 400 of them. But notice here what John said in verse 9. There of 3 John, he said, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. So there was a person here in this church by the name of Diotrephes and he was nothing but a troublemaker. Now whether he was the pastor or not, I cannot say. You know, I've heard the term dictator used a lot of times in reference to to pastors. And it wasn't accurate. But it doesn't have to be the pastor. This fella that was in this church, it says he loveth to have the preeminence. He thought he was number one. He missed that verse that said that God gave Christ all the preeminence. The true servants of the Lord are distinguished by giving Christ preeminence. That just means he's number one. It's all about him. That's what it means. They give Christ the preeminence in deed and in truth, and the false seek their own preeminence. Now, 
You know who that sounds like? Sounds like the devil. He said, I'm going to be number one. When you make yourself number one, you're making everybody else less. The Bible says you're supposed to make yourself less and make more of everybody else than you do of yourself. And you're supposed to make the most of Christ. This was in a church of the living God. How do you get in there? No telling. But in the day in which we're living, you will have to choose you this day whom you will serve. You will have to answer the call who is on the Lord's side. Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, there must needs be heresies or divisions among you so that those who are approved may be made manifest. Approved by whom? Approved by God. And it won't necessarily all come out until Jesus comes. Look in Psalm 119. Now, John said, when I get there, I'll deal with that fella. He was pretty bold, wasn't he? This Diotrephes, he said, why, he prates against us with malicious words. It seems strange, doesn't it? He felt fine berating and speaking poorly of an apostle of the Lord Jesus. Well, he did. You know, sometimes the devil will let you hear about some of the stuff that other people say about you that's not so nice because he wants to see if he can inflame your pride. Oh, they say that about me? They probably say worse. But notice in Psalm 119, verse 63, I'm a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. In verse 79, he said, let those that fear thee turn unto me and those that have known thy testimonies. We ought to support the brethren who love the truth. Now there was diatrophies and John said, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God. He that doeth evil hath not seen God. There are people in churches, they're not saved. There are men in pulpits, they're not saved. I can't, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. But also, notice, there are some who are true. He said in verse 12, Demetrius hath good report 
of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. And so there was somebody that Gaius could, could team up with. It was Demetrius. He said he has a good report of the truth. Now in verse 13 and 14, John closes this letter. He says, I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. We never get as much time as we want, do we? We'll have a lot of time when we gather around the throne. But he said, but I trust I shall shortly see thee and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. You know who your friends ought to be? The ones who are friends with Jesus. Personal fellowship in the truth because of the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts is one of the highest enjoyments in this life. Friends, dear, dear ones, loved companions. Christ called his disciples friends, didn't he? He said, I've called you friends. And we're so thankful that there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's Jesus. Now, sometimes you're going to look about you and you're going to think that you don't have a friend in the world. Maybe you don't. So then stop looking around you and look up. And look to Jesus. He's the friend who never fails. There are some, and we thank God for them. There are some of whom it's been said, you know, if you were not his friend, it was your loss. The better the friend, the better you are for having them for a friend. And there's no better than Christ. The church, and this is true for every church that's represented here. It's true for every preacher that's here. It's true for every individual Christian and church member. You have no better friend than Christ. And there may come a time when he's the only friend you'll be able to rely on. Because one of the characteristics of these last times is cold hearts and every person for themselves. Those who love Christ first and most and best are your best friend because they will want to see Christ formed in you. And the best way you can be a friend to someone who's lost is to tell them about the Savior. So I pray the Lord will bless you. And it's been such a wonderful privilege for us to be here and we look forward to the for the rest of the services. And thank you so much for all your generosity and the accommodations you gave us. And 
we'll be praying for you and you be praying for us. May the Lord bless you.